It's Monday, December 2nd, 2019, and coming up, we'll tell you why the MVP of the NBA this season still has to use a fake ID to get into the bar. Plus, we'll tell you why one popular app smells more like teen censorship. All that and more coming up. This is the tune-up. Good morning. Welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I am joined by the snare campaign provocateur, Mr. All My Takes Are Deep Cuts Because My Takes Cut Deep. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Hi, Denny. How's you it going? You surprise me every week. <laughs> Where do you get these from? Do you have like a, an alliteration no, magazine? Man, dude, you I just write to? these things, man. I, I figure I, I can only do the Gaslight, the Mercy Union thing so many times, but they'll all make a comeback at it's, some it's point. It's like uh, these are the highlights that I, I should have went to college when I hear stuff like this. No, man. <laughs> dude, come on. I probably could have done that without the Jesuit education. You have a good weekend? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. A lot of, a lot of NBA talk a lot of stuff that we'll get into a not so great day for you at the barclays center yesterday unfortunately with your nets oh that's okay close win heat's a good team it doesn't bother me too much i think the biggest question is is what what are we doing with with new new all-star spencer dinwiddie once Kyrie comes back oh my gosh that's a bit of an issue that contract i know uh on on saturday the show that we were could be best that value do, in the NBA. Yeah, that, that I do with, with Wes Wilcox, uh, who used to be the GM of the Hawks. He was talking about that's such an unbelievable contract. How a lot of teams are envious of that. So yeah, I mean that's 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 signed that deal when Spencer Dinwiddie was still still in that in that box of he just will had he or re- won't he? Yeah, yeah, he had just recently come from the G League and stuff quickly enough that a three year thirty million dollar deal was like oh great yeah. I'll take it I might be back in the G League and then. Before you know it, he's six man of the year candidate and now uh, a potential all-star level player. Yeah. Goodness, when he gets the minutes, it's crazy. A quick aside, it's funny how this, the past couple of years, you know, really since the NBA has elevated the G League into this actual development thing. I mean, you see your Kendrick Nunn's in Miami. Oh, yeah. It's a smart part of the NBA on there that they've, they've put a lot of money into it and and change the system where you didn't just have random G League teams and now you have teams that are um, updrafting to their own teams. So you can actually run a stylistic program in the G League, make people understand your offense and defense prior to them getting there. And I think that was so important in the idea of um, allowing 18-year-olds to come into the NBA again. Right. It's like you need – it's a short bench in the NBA. you got 12 spots and often to get to a long playoffs, you need to use all 12 to get there with injuries and stuff. So you just don't have a lot of room for, for stash projects. <laughs> and that's why I think so many guys got, got lost in the shuffle for years. So I think the G League's great. And I think you're giving guys a, a way to highlight themselves, not only for, you know, bench roles in the NBA, but also go get themselves a job in Europe. Go, you know, um, I think it's great that these guys have another avenue. And it's also organizationally you know you have like a guy like nick nurse who was a a, a g league right. coach coach and then you can build up your program and then they get elevated to the main job and it's more consistency because then you go from having a 15 20 man roster to a you know like like a, a 30 almost 45 man like rotation of guys that you can bring in the only problem that that we've seen with it and i know that this a tangent aside 
is with a case like Golden State, mm. there's only so many times that you can bring these guys up and back between the G League. Sure. So what they're going to have to do with all these injuries and moving guys back and forth between Santa Cruz and the Golden State Warriors is going to be very interesting. So there's a lot of benefits. They're still working out the kinks, sure. a lot like us with this podcast. But <laughs> I'd say it's very much going in a positive direction. <laughs> All right, Benny, because you can't go from cold takes to hot takes every week, we warm up with our don't fuck this up person or thing of the week. Look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. And the last thing I said to him, I said, look, man, don't fuck this up for me. Don't fuck it up. Benny, who you got? Today, I have people. I Two people, I would say, to don't fuck this up. Greg Popovich and Tom Brady, both legends in their respective fields nearing the end of their uh of their runs and their dynasties it's becoming pretty obvious even though brady i think with such a positive team around him and such a savvy quarterback i don't think the mid-season is the end and i think he has a good chance to still pull a, a peyton manning right now and and still yeah. be able to win a super bowl throwing throwing ducks uh and then greg popovich uh they're slipping Five, six games behind the uh, playoff pack in the West. Um, there seems to be a lot of a lack of synergy between him and LaMarcus Aldridge and DeRozan. And DeJounte Murray doesn't really seem to have taken the steps he'd like. And this could be the end of the 22-year run for the Spurs making the playoffs. So Brady and, uh, and Popovich are uh, not fucking it up because these are Hall of Fame individuals, but nice. towards the end. All right, Benny, my don't fuck this up person of the week is rock and roll Twitter. <gasps> I know. Because, Benny, I'm not sure if you saw this, but uh, Billie Eilish, I'm not sure if, if you call her a singer, artist, whatever. She was on Jimmy Kimmel, and he listed a bunch of iconic bands and artists. Madonna was one. She knew that. But she had no clue who Van Halen was. Okay. And I want to take this moment to talk to the older side of our listenership. And I get it. You know, it's fun to pretend that you know more than other people. <laughs> Hence why we do a podcast. Sure. But the shaming of a 17-year-old for not knowing a band that hasn't been, dare I say, relevant on a cultural landscape since almost a decade before she was born. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I kind of count the tail end of the Sammy Hagar era in 96 as them being still culturally relevant. But to shame her for not knowing someone or a band from more than a decade before she was born, it's absurd. Like, if I asked most people under the age of 40 who Glenn Miller was, they probably wouldn't be able to tell me. And In the Mood was one of the songs of a generation. In the Mood. Exactly. <laughs> so the point is, this happens to everybody at some point. And people learn, and music tastes develop. And in the age of the internet, you can discover a new band every day of the week. Heck, they even send it to your inbox if you want. So let's encourage artists like Billie Eilish to embrace Van Halen. And maybe, just maybe, a new generation will embrace the music of the 70s and 80s like she has. I couldn't agree with you more. This is a, a, a concurrent problem that I really don't like. It's like when I see a 13-year-old kid walking down the street wearing a Nirvana t-shirt, I don't go, I go, fuck yeah. yeah. There's another generation of kids listening to Nirvana exactly. instead of like crappy pop music or whatever <laughs> is going on. And, and I think of like, sure, I grew up with Van Halen, so Van Halen's just part of my cultural narrative. But like, even take the band, I was born in 1980. Right. The biggest stars of the mid-70s with these pop hits. I didn't know who the fuck, like, Chicago was. Mm. I didn't know who <laughs> Steely Dan was. Mm. I, and these had major rock hits, you know, mm. through that entire decade prior to me. And it took 
me growing up and understanding a lot more about music to know who these people are. I heard the same thing when Post Malone put Ozzy Osbourne on a track and people are highlighting uh, people's Twitter accounts being like, I never heard of this guy. It's pretty good. And they're like, come on, what's wrong with you? How does a 16-year-old kid not know Ozzy? I'm like, why the fuck should that 16-year-old kid know Ozzy? Yeah, right. That'd be a weird kid yeah. if they already knew <laughs> Ozzy. Like, that's, that's pretty unique. I'm like, the, and uh, the idea to me, like you said, that you have access to the archives of all this music so quickly. Yeah. You know, a quick Google puts you on this journey of what Ozzy Osbourne has done. And all of a sudden, some like 14-year-old hip-hop kid you know, in Texas is now listening to like War Pigs on Spotify. <laughs> I'm like, fuck yeah. And, so, and they're sampling it on their music. Exactly. And, you know, it's so, so I couldn't agree more. interesting because then they could sample it, put it on TikTok. And I don't know we'll yeah. get to that in, in a little bit. Everyone forgets. could blow up and it could have new life. Yeah. Everyone forgets Aerosmith was, was dead in the water until <laughs> Run DMC decided <laughs> to take them in in the 80s. It, this is, these guys need this and, and we shouldn't diss it, you know? Let's keep Ozzy relevant. Let's keep Van Halen relevant. All right, Benny. First topic, first official topic of the day. Luka Doncic continues to impress. The 20-year-old went for 27 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists in, in a win on Sunday over the Lakers. Balling. There were rumblings before the game about Luka's MVP chances, but after a game of getting the best of AD and LeBron, should Luka's name officially be in the MVP conversation? Yeah, why not? Should definitely be in the conversation. They are currently on a 7-1 and run, just beat the Lakers on the road, and during that run, he's averaging 33-9-10 with two steals and almost equally efficient on the road. So, yeah, of course he should be in the conversation. I think the um, biggest, uh, not slights against him, but the reasons he won't get the MVP this year is just because of the field He's in the MVP race with. He happens to be running into like two equally not more historic seasons than his currently. When you have James Harden put it put up sixty points on twenty four shots yeah. in twenty four minutes or in twenty minutes the other day, his usage rates, his efficiency are the highest in NBA history, and he's almost scoring thirty nine points per game. Mm. Like if that actually holds up through the entire season, how? How do you not exactly. give the MVP to that guy? Well, un- unless your name's Dominique Wilkins. And did, did you hear him go off on Harden? On- Is he still old manning yeah, Harden? Yeah, Get the fuck man- out of here. This, I can't believe people are still doing that. Like, it should have been over, what, two years <laughs> yeah, ago right. at least? Come on, Dominique. Anyway. I need Dominique to be a good guy right now because he's he's the template for Kevin Durant to return <laughs> to his old form. I need I need this to be good. So not only Harden, though, but you're also running into Giannis this year. Bucks just won 15 out of 16 games in November without Chris Middleton. Um, and he's putting up ridiculous numbers and high efficiency while doing it. So I think the biggest knock against Luka right now is nothing to do with him. Um, it has to do with the, the crowded field he's in. But I also, um, out of all of the guys we're talking about, I would question his durability the most. Right. He's 20 years old. He's being worked to hell right now. It's not like Dallas has a strong team where he can, you know, take a bunch of plays off and take half a quarter off and they're still going to be competitive in games. They're going to need to scratch and fight to stay in the playoff race because of that. So I do have a question of how, like, a 20-year-old body is going to maintain that that kind of 
pace and and the and the way people are going to start highlighting them when, when they play the Mavericks. Well, the one thing that I, I would say to the durability thing is, I mean, he's been playing when he was over in Europe. He was doing Euro League and he was doing a bunch of those tournaments. True, so true. Most people are going from from college, which is like you know maybe thirty. 35 games maximum he's been playing the 78 thing almost since he was like 15 true so there's that and then on the topic of uh the mvp i feel like people always forget that the media votes on it mm. and the media loves a narrative they love a story that's easier to write sure hence Giannis getting a lot of love last year but the very important thing is you can have all of the numbers you want but if this team is in the 45 win range. I think then the media starts being like, oh, this is such a great story. The kid's 20, year, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of like, and, and this has only been a trend the last couple of years. Like the media, the year Steph Curry got it unanimously, they'd never done that before. But the media's like, oh, it's a, such a good story. You mean to tell me that there weren't players before him that deserved the award yeah, unanimously? Sure, sure, sure. So that's been an interesting change in the MVP. Well, the unanimous voting. thing too—that's got to be the fact of social media right. and how how these people who used to do the "fuck you" votes <laughs> now have to answer for their "fuck exactly. you" votes, and, and, and that their name is is, is out yeah, there. Yeah. But in terms of Luca actually being in the MVP conversation, I think this is the biggest detraction that people always throw at James Harden mm-hmm. is on the defensive side of sure. things, and I think that's another reason why Giannis got it last year. But just for Doncic, a few numbers on the offensive side of, side of things. He's currently third in points, second in, in assists. But I think the most interesting thing, and, and if you're a analytics NBA fan that loves mm-hmm. the numbers of it, he leads the league in plus minus, yeah. his impact on the court. So, so that's one side of it, uh, shooting 48% from the field, all the stuff that you highlighted before. So I think that he's got a mixed bag case right now. I think that there's a lot of people were surprisingly sleeping on LeBron, your boy, in this conversation as well. So it all kind of depends. I, I think voters these days value offense and defense. So if Luka can pick it up on the defensive side of things and not have KP to swat everything down below, I think that he'll have a better chance come June and the award ceremony. Yeah, I mean, right now, if you had to make me rank, I got Giannis one. Right. I got Harden two, I got Luca three, I got Braun four, and I got AD? Pascal Siakam number okay, five. There we go. Okay, there's my sleeper into the top five this year. That's 80's really close. Mm-hmm. 80's close. Yeah. But how do you not get? I mean, that guy literally might win Most Improved Player again. And, and, yeah. You know, and and bring a team that just lost Kawhi Leonard very very far yeah. in the East. I mean, he he is a baller. Uh, but we're not the experts on this matter. What Vegas has to say about the MVP odds right now oh, has currently Giannis two to one, Harden and Luca both tied at four to one, Braun five to one, Anthony Davis ten to one, Kawhi sixteen to one. Oh, give me that! Those are the give, closest give odds. Me that sixteen to one. Oh, I'm, t- I'm only going to put down five dollars. Throwing five on that sixteen yeah, to right? one. <laughs> Benny, speaking of evolution, and that's kind of been the the theme of this podcast thus far. The next topic here. The coach's challenge did not have a good week in the NBA. As LeBron called it out on the ESPN broadcast, Brad Stevens the other day at the Garden did not seem too thrilled. When it made call. him curse. Yeah, right? It made Brad Stevens it curse. It made Pete Buttigieg's NBA sidekick curse. Oh, I, I can't believe it. And 
So the NBA has a rule that stated there must be clear and conclusive visual evidence. You know, we've we've heard this phrase in the NFL. We've heard this sure. phrase in college football for a call to be overturned. But as I said, some of the biggest names have been claiming that biases are getting in the way of the difference between winning and losing games here. Benny, how do you think challenges are going early in the season? I mean, it's clearly been messy, yeah. you know, um, and the system they put in place is not working well and <laughs> clearly needs to change. But I mean, I think you've seen this anytime any of the major sports have implemented these new systems like when is it do you remember when the the nfl challenge came in with people throwing these flags all over the place no one knew what the hell was going on like it takes a minute for it to settle um i think and you're gonna hear me say this a lot i believe in the same thing i believe in with baseball which is like if the consumer at home can have a better idea of what's going on in the game than the person on the floor that has to be fixed yeah. somehow. And it's just about perception at that point. And, and the idea that like you want as little gray area as possible in, the, in this day and age. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. If social media can do anything, it could take the most concrete argument there ever was and give it minutia. Mm. You know what I mean? It can give it gray area. And some things don't need that. Sports, one of the things that attracts me to sports is the fact that there isn't gray area is that there's winners and there's losers and there's statistics to back it up. And, and be valuable like, versus I'll best. be like, listen, <laughs> you're just wrong. This person is better. <laughs> Here are the statistics to prove it. Right. I like that. Yeah. Life is confusing. Sports is not supposed <laughs> to be. You know what I mean? So I think you don't want a Saints-like situation yeah. to happen in the NBA, especially in a, in a playoff game or something. You already have Michael Jordan having famous push-offs mm. that people will contest for, <laughs> right. for the end of time. So um, I don't think it's going anywhere. And that being said, I think the solution is what the other leagues do, which is to have a third-party arbitrator somewhere else, someone not at the game uh, who, who is making the definitive call. Well, I that's mean, supposed to be what the caucus is here. Yeah, the whole well, video. Th- that needs to work better. Yeah, And I think what they need to do... I think a ref on the field, excuse me, a ref on the court has, um, I think he has the ability to see the tape and make the right call. Right. And I think he also has the ability not to put his own bias into the call. But I think the thing we're dealing with now is the perception of bias. Yeah. It's just as important. So even though if a ref is, is making this call in a clear, with a clear head and not using bias, he will still be, you know, persecuted for using bias, and it's the perception of bias. So I think you have to take that decision off the floor's hands. And when the decision's made, no one on the court had any sway in that final decision, so you're just taking bias out of it. And and I think that's the solution. What do you think? Benny, I've got some numbers for you here. All right. I like numbers. Thus far this season, there have been 152 coaches challenged. 63% 63% of these challenges have been successful. Okay. So that's a 41% success rate in these challenges. Okay. Which, that backs it up. The refs, 60% of the time, are getting it right. 40% sure. of the time, they're getting it wrong. But I kind of want to more open it up to... I'm not sure that we... I think that there's only a couple instances where we actually need re- replay for. And that is... The possession arrow, you know, mm-hmm. like like if, if sure. the ball tips and goes out of bounds, mm-hmm. and seeing if a 
shot beat the shot clock or a shot beat the buzzer. If we're going to start... You don't want this for foul calls. No. Foul calls, it's like, let that... These are supposed to be trained professionals. Sure. Benny, say you're performing a concert, okay? Okay. And you perform 60% of the songs perfectly, but you got 40% of the songs and you messed up. <laughs> I, I think people may want their money back. I'm out the job. <laughs> Quick. Quick. <laughs> You know, they say there's no friends in rock and roll if you're fucking up 40% of the time. You better be Keith Moon drunk and charming if you're doing that. No, it's true. I, and I think part of the problem now, too, is like, you know, do you remember the days when there used to be like, it used to be a little fun with the refs and the players. Yeah. Like, I feel like the days of like Dickie Bavetta <laughs> and Joey Crawford and some of these good old school guys who really had like a rapport with TV the players. Jobs now. They're out. They're out, you know, and then and then I feel like the new crew that came in, it's sort of like you're you're kind of like robotic vanilla mm. bunch, you know what I mean? Who are just like sticking to the protocol, sticking with each other, not really like trying to like have something fun with the players. Like like Joel Embiid could be Shaq if people treated him like Shaq. Like yeah. let it be lighthearted, let it be fun, right? You know, let it be what it is. Like instead of vilifying every huh. tiny little thing that happens so i uh i don't know you got to keep the coaches challenge i think i i think the players have gone a little bit whinier too with the yeah. whole thing but so i think it's you know as in with all relationships both sides are at fault but neither side wants to find a solution so i think till the meantime you gotta affect the coaches and be like all right coaches you lose a little bit more power Keep it on the shot clock. <laughs> All right, Benny, we've reached the halfway point of the podcast, which means it's time for the Dollar Slice Take of the Week. Benny, what do you got? All right, so the the day and age of uh, going out and getting your Christmas shopping is, is getting less and less, right? Yes. People are using big box service. And here in Jersey City, it is a very common problem to get your boxes stolen. People, the Amazon drivers, they just kind of toss them wherever. Mail people don't care anymore. And it's a, it's a big deal. So I think Amazon should start providing you with the option that one-tenth of your boxes will be marked somehow that you know will explode with pain upon opening. So it's maybe part of being like a Prime member. You do like Prime Plus and like one-tenth of your boxes you can get shipped with an exploding paint can, and this will uh, deter future criminals from taking your packages. Dollar slice take. (laughs) My dollar slice take kind of has to do with explosions, and Benny, I think mob movies have run out of steam. (gasps) Didn't like The Irishman, huh? It was, okay, let me get into The Irishman for two seconds, but I think it was a lot of Scorsese doing what he's already done for three hours, and then... The last half hour of that movie, I loved. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a different take that you don't normally see about the mafia and people Mm -hmm. that have lived that life. But I just thought for too much of it, I was like, okay, I've literally seen this scene in Taxi Driver. I've literally seen the same scene in Mean Streets and a, a same scene from Goodfellas. So... I don't know if maybe it needs a different director, different writer, maybe a new take. I know. But I think that there are other angles that this could go. Honestly, if I'm doing The Irishman, not not that Marty needs my advice, (laughs) but this would have been so much better as like a miniseries than a movie. 
I could see that. This is like a $4 slice take. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one where we get the mozzarella. Yeah, this is the cold cheese slice out in Long Island. <laughs> All right, Benny, second half of the pod. We go to the top of the fold to see what's happening in the world of news, tech, and pop culture. Leading off, we have a story from a teenage girl from from where else, but you guessed it, New Jersey. Jersey. Who has been banned from TikTok for a month after saying anti-Chinese government things on a video on the app. In a statement, TikTok confirmed the girl had been banned for violating policies on terrorism-related imagery. Benny, I know right. we've talked a lot on this podcast about the relationship between America and China when it comes to sports and culture. I got to ask you. Is it dangerous that one of the most culturally relevant apps among teenagers and young people today has such a high stake in the Chinese government? And and what is the influence there? Let's kind of break this down a little bit. Yeah, I do think it's big. Um, in the same way that you saw with the NBA situation, how China gets to yield a certain power because of money mm. and because people are so economically tied to the things they're doing there, China gets to use their pulpit in that way. Yeah. You know, and they can deny people access to a billion person, you know, commercial mass market that that people build their businesses on and they do these things based on that. So so I do think it's really important. I think the thing to understand about this company is like they're they're owned by a Chinese company named ByteDance. Just come on, BYT. What a <laughs> awful name for these fucking tech companies always. Like but they, Tencent? Like, yeah, like I mean, awful name. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but since 2017, they launched, they have 1.5 billion downloads outperforming Instagram. So, so already off the bat, like this thing is a monster. And the idea that you have no cultural influence over something so large is crazy. Um, and you're already seeing it with, you know, Twitter, Facebook, even in the States about... Uh, censoring content, what's right, what's wrong. I mean, Twitter's been going through this, all the Twitter, Facebook, about fake ads, about uh, white nationalist accounts, the things that should be free speech, the things that shouldn't be free speech. So we already have this issue to the max in our own country. Mm. And now we're kind of at the the mercy of another country to determine that morality. And that morality... We've known since we got into business with China what their morality was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like everything about the human rights violations and all the things that when people decide to have an issue with, have an issue with, it was just as bad or worse when we started all of these relationships. Mm. And I, I don't like that out of nowhere, I'm just hearing people kind of selectively being like, no, these are bad now. So I think... In a way, you have, you know, American youth creating memes while they're most likely like stealing the information and not only doing that, but kind of um, the thing that that's almost alarming to me about what seems to be China's uh, methodology of doing this is is in the States, we've we've just pushed more and more money into military power. You know, this idea that like the world is controlled by by bombs and fear and the things that you're you're sitting behind the button so people need to listen to you. And while America's been taking that approach, China's been basically taking money and putting it all over the world. 
they they have um they they're the the biggest supplier of of everything in Africa currently. They've literally built up like a uh, a transcontinental <laughs> uh, uh, roadway through through Africa. They're setting up like train systems throughout Africa. They're setting up the infrastructure of Africa, where the same way as we went around, you know, sort of imperializing different places and making them work for us in a way. China's going to hold the power over these countries because they're going to be their infrastructure is going to be tied tied to China. They're literally uh, they're building the new African Union building. They're funding major road and railroad projects. They're building a city in Egypt that's costing $300 billion. <laughs> they're taking mineral deposits in Ghana. They're doing the cross-Kenyan railway. I mean, this is just in Africa. Yeah. And then uh, on top of that, if you Google the largest internet broadband providers in the world, mm. China has two, one and two, are both the largest companies in the world, mm. 20% of the world's internet users are on these two broadband platforms. So, I mean, I just imagine how tied people are to the internet right now. Like, like kids can't leave their fucking house. They don't know where they're going. You know, it's all GPS. Yeah. They don't know who they're going to meet. They don't know how to like go shopping anymore. They just order it online and then it just comes to them. So it's almost like, it feels like we're on the precipice of, of a different kind of war. It's almost like a culture war and an infrastructure war that I think we're losing. And it does feel concerning to me. Well, it's very interesting. So, I like, you brought up the imperialism that, like, the U.S. kind of started after, you know, like, like, like the Second World War. And, and businesses started to venture overseas and had people working for us. But then there's been this second generation of, or, like, like this cultural imperialism 2.0 where you invest in these foreign countries. And not to say that the U.S. doesn't do that. They, I mean, that's, sure. that, that's been a lot Part of... Part of our game plan, That's too. been a lot of what uh, got Trump elected was that we're going to cut off aid to these foreign countries. But in, a, in an era where you need this, I mean, if, if you look at some of the uh, your Qatars, your Abu Dhabis, who have these like sovereign wealth funds, now the distribution of those funds aside... But they're investing in these other countries to kind of yield power. And no country does this better than China. Mm -hmm. So I think in, to bring this back to TikTok, yes, you may get for every Lil Nas X getting Old Town Road popular and, <laughs> and breaks onto the scene as, as this massive pop star, you have... Uh, these these teenage girls who know nothing about the state of Chinese politics, the state of sure. China versus Hong Kong, getting in trouble for something that they don't understand. And I think that that's where the real danger is here, is we have kids that, you know, yeah, everybody, if, if you're below like the age of like 18, like wants to be like internet famous, like an influencer of some kind. But the cost of that in 2019 going on 2020 is steep because you don't you just don't understand what you're getting into. Well, I mean, I think that's part of the problem though. Yeah. Is like is an American run company shouldn't censor a 17-year-old woman for saying something like right. that because it's completely opposite of the framework of everything we're trying to to keep here. So I think that's the biggest problem with the influence. I mean, you're literally essentially, I mean, if we just bake it down on its most basic level, 
we're trying to run a democratic country and they run a communist country. Yeah. And there's two very different ways of operating exactly. those countries to get people to act accordingly with cultural and government standards. So, I mean, essentially, I think you're just having American people and businesses and kids being under a Chinese cultural standard, which is just not in line with ours. And, and, and you know, what she's saying about the, the native Muslims in China, like, it's not, it's, this isn't some thing she made up. Yeah. There are a million people being put into whatever you want to call them, mm. detention camps, internment camps, re-education schools, like, whatever the fuck they are. I, they exist. Yeah. And they're doing that to those people. They are functionally doing it all the time. So did she say anything wrong? No. She, mm. she, she pointed out uh, uh, something that literally you could Google and find out in, in five seconds. Yeah. It's just something that they don't really want people to know. And, you know, that's where uh, uh, censorship from a communist country over free Americans is going to be a problem. And then the other thing that's interesting, just kind of to put a bow on this whole thing, the, the, the biggest concern of Silicon Valley in, in this country is a lot of the IP, mm -hmm. you know, for like your, your your social networks. Like they've pretty much taken Instagram. Yeah, They've stolen it. it. No, no, no. Oh, not oh they've their just own. ripped it off. And, gotcha. And like, gotcha. Like, like the same thing. I mean, I hate to bring your guy Josiah into this, but Amazon, <laughs> you take the same thing, you rip it off. It's Alibaba and it's the most powerful company not my guy. in the world. They're all cartoon billionaires <laughs> to me, all right? I don't care which fucking guy with the top hat. Just because he pays Kevin yeah, Durant. I don't fucking know, man. Not my guy. Those guys don't know nothing about me. That's the best fact. All right, Benny. Next topic. Dun, da, da, da. A recent piece in Variety delved into the future of DC films. And guess what, Benny? They don't quite know what to do with Superman. They know what to do with, you know, Joker, Aquaman, Wonder Woman. They, they, they've rebooted Suicide Squad, as people know. But the future of Superman is murky. The studio reportedly is unsure how to make the character, quote, relevant to modern audiences. Now there's been rumors floating around. Michael B. Jordan has pitched a fresh take on Superman. And the master of the franchise reboot, J.J. Abrams, has also had multiple ideas of how to get things going. But there's no script, so... At the moment, it seems like we're not going to see anybody or anything Superman-related before 2023. Benny, how would you reinvent the Superman film? What, what to reinvent? That, that's the thing that I'm confused about this argument. Is like, I'm not the biggest comic book nerd in, in, in right. the world, but I enjoy all these movies. I think they're great. And I really enjoyed, like, the original Batmans. I enjoyed the original Spider-Mans and the X-Mens. Like, all these stories that came out... I'm like, oh, this is great. And then like 10 years pass and I'm like, wait, why the fuck am I watching the same movie again? Just with like a different actor done mm. in like a, a slightly different way, but the same exact story just rebooted over again. I saw it with the Hulk. I saw it with uh, Fantastic Four. I saw it with Spider-Man. And that's where I'm like, what's the fucking difference about Superman to these stories? Like, how can you find so much value in rebooting these stories over and over again, you can't find value in Superman. Especially with the fact that, I mean, there's amazing planets. There's Krypton, which looks cool as fuck. There's, like, literally, like, roaming space militaries whose planets were blown up, and they're just cruising around space, like, <laughs> looking for something to do. There's, like, magical mirrors that people get stuck in. There's Lex Luthor... 
there's uh and then there's the whole other side of Clark Kent, like in the newspaper in New York City. And I don't know if these people never watched Christopher Reeves play Clark Kent, but he was really charming and kind of bubbly and nerdy and fun. So to say that there's no personality to Superman. So all these things being said, I, this argument sounds like somebody is like, got some weird money tied up somewhere and they don't want to make this movie for like a separate reason. This feels like a, like a, a public shaming of the Superman character for more nefarious reasons. That's what I think. You know what they got to do? This is so easy. This is the, we are in the era of Netflix, original streaming service, yeah, originals, a series. Do you remember the, there was a TV series like late nineties Early two thousands. Oh, what the Dean like, Kane? No, no, no. Like, <laughs> like, I think it was called like Lois and Clark or something like okay. that. It was like one of those like you know like like a CBS drama, mm-hmm. and it it was about like Superman and like Lois Lane and all that stuff. What they need to do, like, you make a a offshoot of it that is a Netflix series or some sort of streaming thing. Heck, even bring it to HBO. Really sure. make it yeah. cinematic and and all that stuff. You re invigorate the franchise is that, that possible way. though who owns the story warners oh, so well, they're allowed to just push it around to whoever I they think, like i think dc is owned by warner brothers which oh well i guess i guess you couldn't go to hbo because warner right. brothers so warner brothers doesn't have a streaming service right so this now. is where i'm thinking there's there's something else at work here this so is where i think there's a public Marvel smearing. has like disney plus they all have this own so warner's public smearing kinda, <laughs> superman is being publicly smeared I don't or, like this. Or he just got bought by the wrong parent company that hasn't figured out streaming right. yet. Who? So, 10-episode Netflix series. I love Let's it. Let's get it going. All right. Well, well, let me take that a step further. Yeah. Who's Superman? How is James Franco not Superman? Oh. Right off the deuce, he, he okay. did his art project. Sure. Now let's get him back a little bit more movie star Give him like a muscle suit. Yeah. Yeah, or yeah. Heck, he, even get a trip. Heck, if he can play two separate people in the deuce and grow that yeah. that mustache and have the whole thing going on, he he could definitely play Superman, clean cut, and maybe make it really artistically pleasing. I could see it. I could see it. He, you know, he's gonna want to like write or produce. Though. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's and get John Favreau in the mix. You know, he seems to do good work. I th- I think he's a little Disney Caught tied up with, up the, with Mandalore. the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so James Franco. Netflix series, Disney Plus series, wherever they can land it. James Franco as Superman. Let's get it done. Or maybe we sit Kevin Smith and Tim Burton back down. (laughs) See if that works out. All right, Benny. We're running out of real estate on this show. It's time for our token meme of the week. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! The whole summer has been an ongoing meme video. uh... (laughs) And let's get it going. Benny, who you got? This week, I got old, old Freddie Kitchens making a bold declaration wearing a shirt saying that Pittsburgh started it, which will forever be the meme used of all the articles of his firing in about six weeks. <laughs> See ya, Freddie. Get out of here. Ruining my, my man, Odell. <laughs> my token meme of the week are the ladies that got stuck in the bushes trying to rush the field following Auburn's win over Alabama in the Iron Bowl. And Benny, we've all been there, metaphorically or literally. And there are two instances and there are two instances in life where you end up in bu- in the bushes of life. And that's either in pure joy or pure fear. 
I don't know. Most of my experiences have been fear-based, but I think this is a good life lesson. There are two paths in life, but we all end up stuck in the proverbial bush one way or the other. Deep. Deep. <laughs> oh, Denny. This has been such a deep episode. I'm going to meditate on that. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to meditate on that. This is good. This is good. Plenty of ways to get in contact with this show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at the HQ. HQ's for headquarters, in case for those of you guys asking, because we're this big mega corporation now that yep. has a headquarters. That's right. You can email the show at thetuneuppodcast at gmail.com. You can follow him at Benny Horowitz1, number one in your mind, number one in your hearts, number one on Twitter. You can follow me at Denny underscore Gallagher. And yeah, Benny, anything else to add? Just have a great week, and everybody love everybody. You have been listening to The Tune Up. Tune Up.